Well, brothers and sisters, grace and peace are yours from Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. This is now the second time that we've done this, spent some time with our mission, vision, and values. And I have to tell you right up front that Andrew Osborne, who's, who's helping me out today, we've decided that we're going to shoot these videos in the future in the fall rather than in the middle of the winter because this is the second time, just like last year when we did this, that the day in which we decided to shoot the video was the coldest day of the week. But we're out here for a reason. We're out here because those last videos that we did, the mission, vision, and values videos from last January, they yielded some amazing results. As we focus together on what God's calling us to be, God's done remarkable things. God, in fact, has blessed us in ways that are extraordinary. We, we've, had, uh, we've had 14 people join our congregation, adults, join our congregation through baptism. 14 adult baptisms. That's an amazing thing. We've seen uh, the addition of, of Eagle Creek as part of our fellowship, as part of our family here at Cornerstone. Th that's been amazing. We've also had the wonderful privilege of having 55 new people teach for faith formation across our sites. 55 new teachers. We've been growing in attendance. And after COVID, after the time when so many people were away from church, we've seen lots of people return. These are all wonderful things, but the truth is we're not just here to talk about what has happened. This isn't just retrospective. Instead, we're here because we're moving forward together. And, and what that means for us is the opportunity to celebrate God's work in us and to know that God's still calling us forward. He's still calling us on. And so that's why I'm outside today. It's because this location, here by the, the dam at Morse Reservoir, this, this location is going to help us visualize what, what God's doing among us. And I think he also will use this to help us remember what happened with God's people at the time of Ezra and Nehemiah in the Old Testament. I want to start there. I want to remind you of what happened. God's people had been carried off into captivity by the Babylonians. And you remember what that was the result of, the result of their disobedience toward God. And God called prophets to go and speak to his people and to try to call them back, but they wouldn't listen. And so ultimately with King Nebuchadnezzar, the Israelites were carried off into captivity. And now they've spent 70 years in captivity, 70 years. And during that time, their, their homeland has been laid waste. And now uh, another, another big kid on the block has come. It's the Persian Empire. And that Persian Empire has taken over Babylon. And now they have no use for Israel anymore. And so they decide it's time to set them free. Well, there's a lot that happens in the story. You can read all about it in Ezra and Nehemiah. But, but what happens first is that Ezra goes back to Jerusalem and he finds the temple has been destroyed. It's in ruins. And so first he rebuilds the temple. And then he calls back with him all those who will come. And almost 50,000 people go, like almost 40,000 Israelites and 7,000 of their servants who go back with them to do this work. And, and by the way, the detail that's given there in Ezra is pretty, is pretty extraordinary. It even tells us there's 6,720 donkeys that go back with the people of Israel. I don't know why that detail is so important, but it's important enough that God saw fit that it would be written in his word. But as all those people go back, they rebuild the temple. But but there's still a problem. They now have their place of worship, but they're now lacking the security that comes from having a city around it. In ancient times, the security of the city was its wall. And the wall of the city meant that they could strategically ward off enemies. And the, the wall of Jerusalem had been torn down. It had been breached in multiple places. And so then enter Nehemiah. 
Nehemiah comes back to the city and, and he comes specifically to bring, uh, to bring this kind of order that the people need. He comes specifically to call them to work once again to rebuild this wall. And the rebuilding of the wall takes place in an extraordinary way. Well, first of all, I should remind you that Israel had enemies. They had enemies in the land, not just Persia, but others as well. They had enemies. And they had enemies, people who didn't want to see them regain their status as a nation. And so these enemies spoke out against them. They, they mocked the people of Israel and they mocked the living God, Israel's God. The people wouldn't stand for this. Instead, they bound together. They unified, knowing that this enemy, these people who would call out and mock their God, were people that needed to be resisted. They're even named in the book of Nehemiah. Uh, Sanballat and Tobiah are two of them. And they speak continually against them. And they, and they begin to rally and organize troops when the Israelites start to rebuild the wall. They don't want to see Israel regain their footing. They don't want to see Israel grow strong. And so they decide to, to go against the Israelite people. But Nehemiah sniffs out the plan. God informs Nehemiah of what's going to happen. And Nehemiah has confidence that God will cause them to overcome these enemies. But as a result, as we hear in our reading for today, as a result, the work that has to go forward takes place in an extraordinary way, a, a pretty fantastic way, because the people then begin to work. One works and one protects. In fact, he says he divides them up in halves. A group of people working and a group of people carrying all of the swords and all of the spears and all of the bows, all of the chainmail, the things that are necessary should the enemy attack. So half are working and half are defending. And they're working at various places on the wall. And as they work in various places, there's great distance between them. And so there are those who need to run back and forth. They're called the load bearers. And those people, they're going back and forth uh, quite unprotected. They don't have soldiers to be with them. So they go with one hand on a work implement and one hand with a sword to protect themselves as they go. There's different tasks that each one of them is called to. And then there's the leaders. And the leaders who really should be, um, should be inside in the safe place, they're not. Instead, they're actually on the outskirts of all of this. They're their first line of defense. They're the ones gazing in the horizon. Nehemiah himself is a watchman who stands and looks for the enemy to come. He has, he has the hornblower standing right next to him so that if he needs to call Israel to come to battle, he can do that. And they're all told, if you hear this, it means the enemy is here. And so come to the spot where you hear the horn. It's a pretty remarkable picture. Terribly inefficient if you're thinking about building. But it's more than that. It's God's people working together in the face of enemies. It's God's people doing what they believe God has called them to do. And I think there's a lesson we can learn from this. Now, I don't want you to overapply this. And first of all, let me tell you this. The people of Israel are rebuilding something that's been torn down. We at Cornerstone aren't. You see, I don't want us to focus so much on the brokenness, but the unity. What it means to know that each person has been called uniquely to, to perform their tasks so that God's work can be done in our midst. And what's remarkable is in the account here that we have in Nehemiah, Nehemiah knows that God is calling them to do this. And he is confident that God will give them victory over their enemies and he will enable them to rebuild in remarkable pace. He has confidence that God will do this, but it's not going to happen in a magical way. Instead, it's going to happen through the efforts of God's people. And I think you're starting to see how this applies to us. You're starting to realize that, that God's calling us to be unified in the same way, to be unified as we move forward together. And thinking about what that means for us, it means being confident of the direction of our congregation. It means being confident that we are established in Christ, 
And because we are, we are building God's kingdom by reaching beyond ourselves to bring people into a caring community. So that brings me to where, where we are today, here at the dam at, my, at Morse Reservoir. And this is the closest that I could think of to a wall in our community, a meaningful wall. And this is built with a purpose. It's built for the purpose of drinking water, I believe, at the beginning. But the way that it stands now, the way that you see it, it was built very purposefully. And what you see on the top is that that which is there, that's, that's all peaceful. And the water up there is peaceful and calm. But down below, down below, there's a certain level of chaos that goes on as the water then scurries away from the dam following the creek moving forward. I think that's a good image for us. It's, a, it's exactly what the Israelites were doing. They were building a wall because they knew that inside they could be safe. Inside was where the name of God dwelled, where God had promised his presence for eternity. They wanted to be safe on the inside. And outside that wall was chaos. Enemies abound. People seeking to tear them down and destroy them who didn't want their well-being and their best, have their best interest in mind. So that's what God calls us to be as a congregation. Not a, not a fortress, but instead a place of respite, a place of peace, a place where people can enter in and know that the chaos of the world is behind them, that here on the inside is where God has promised his presence. And here they can be filled with that presence. That presence can go with them as they go and endure the chaos of life. And we know about that and, and all of it. The picture from Nehemiah, the rebuilding of the temple, the rebuilding of the wall, all of that, believe it or not, is a picture of Jesus. That's precisely what Jesus Christ has done for us. He didn't build a wall. Instead, his calling was to go to the cross. And in a very real way, you can say if we look on one side of the cross, we see chaos and confusion. We see unforgiveness, what it means to be unloved and unknown. We see sin and its effects. We see a common enemy that is the devil. But if we go on the other side of the cross, the other side of the work of Jesus Christ, we see the opposite. We see the peace that comes from knowing his forgiveness. We see the, the confidence that we can have in his love and his, his calling to be his children and his calling to move forward. You see, that's what God then calls us to be about, to be ones who invite people out of the chaos and into the confidence of Jesus Christ, to know his love and his forgiveness, the same love and forgiveness that we get to experience. And so what does this mean for us? It means that each one of us also has a unique task to perform. Each one of us also has a unique calling. It means that we together fight against our enemy, the devil, and that we together are about the calling of God. And as we do God's work, it's probably not going to be done in a miraculous way. It's going to take your effort and my effort as we do what God has given us the skills to do. And as we do, brothers and sisters, we will have confidence that God will accomplish his purposes through us, that he will bring, that he will bring confidence in the midst of chaos, forgiveness in the midst of sin, love and knowing in the midst of that which is unknown and unloved. And brothers and sisters, what's your task? What's he calling you to be about as we do this work together? Because we know this, God blesses unified action. And so I look forward to sharing more about this in the days and weeks to come. I look forward to your work and, and my work as we work together for the sake of the kingdom. And I pray that God will bless you and bless Cornerstone and all that we have to do together. And now I think it's time for us to get inside and warm up and for us to continue in worship. So may God bless you today in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.